Hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Beyond the Before podcast with me, Brock Stevens. Thank you so much for being here and for listening. I'd like to just outline what my hopes for this podcast are. If you follow me on the Beyond the Before uh, Instagram handle, you've probably guessed that some of this will be about post-Mormonism, and that's true, but it's not what it's all going to be about. We don't need another Mormon stories. But you'll hear some Mormon stories here. You're going to hear some other stuff too, though. I've got a couple of guests lined up, incredible humans that have been through a lot of things in their lives and have great perspective to share. And that's my point for this. My personal transition has been leaving religion and a way of life and something that was my whole world. Um, but that's just one thing, and that's just my transition. I intend to hear about many different people's different transitions in life, where life put something in their path and they had to make a choice, and the choice that they made and how it played out and what they learned from it, how they grew from it, the pain that they received from it, all these sorts of things are fair game for conversations that we'll be having together, and I am looking forward to it. So first, me and my transition a little bit today, I just want to talk about something. There's a saying that says, you can leave the church, but you can't leave the church alone. I used to talk about this. And it also seems that all people who leave the Mormon church become bitter anti-Mormons. I'm thinking about that phrase even just now as I say it. Am I an anti-Mormon? No, I love Mormons. My entire family is Mormon. Uh, Mormons are good people, generally. Um, but am I anti-the Mormon institution? The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe we'll explore that further in time. Um, but you can leave the church. You can't leave it alone. Not entirely true. I have so many friends that have left the church that don't say anything about it, not publicly. And they are shaking their heads at me, just wondering why I feel this need and why I would want to uh, go on a public platform like this to talk about these things. So there are certainly people that can leave it and do leave it alone, at least in public. Um, but that said, once people leave the Mormon church, the Mormon church doesn't leave them alone, right? I mean, we moved from our house. We moved to a totally different neighborhood after my family transitioned out of the church just to get a fresh start. Uh, and the church kept calling me and asking me, what's your new address? We need to send your church records to your new bishop so that they can have them and be aware of you. I said, that's okay. You can hold on to them. I don't have a need for them down here. So they called again another month or two later. I said the same thing. In fact, I said, I don't want you sending them here. I don't want to be, you know... I don't want people coming by, really. 
Third call I got, I said, honestly, I do not want those records. I don't care what you do with them. I really don't care. And so finally we came to the conclusion that that local uh, church leader could send them to church headquarters in Salt Lake and they could do with them what they saw fit. And you know what they did? Knowing that I had said, I don't want my records sent down here, they started contacting friends and family outside of my wife and I. So one of them gives the church my address. And this was after we'd been in this new neighborhood for almost two years. No contact whatsoever from the church or people in it. Certainly had friends, neighbors that were members of the church that we'd shared a little bit of our story with, not much. But, uh, you know, we were friendly with some of the people. Um, but no official church visits until that information was shared by a family member and our records were sent down here. Then immediately, texts from missionaries, texts from primary presidents, um, phone calls, and random stoppers by, <laughs> random uh, visits, and a lot of them. And uh, Kelly and I made it clear that we weren't interested that, uh, you know, shocking that we haven't been sitting here waiting for you to come by so that we could come back to church. Um, but they really targeted my teenage son in particular. And kids from school were showing up with white shirts and ties, delivering cookies. And these are kids that never had really talked to him at school. Or, or grown adults stopping by, I answer the door and they ask if they can talk to my son, which I think is so strange. Like, I'm the man of this house. You want to talk to my son? You're a man. Like, why don't you, we both know what you're up to. Why don't you talk to me? Or at least have me be a part of the conversation with my own son. It, it got annoying. It got frustrating. They wanted him to come to seminary. They wanted him to do these things. And even he had told them, I'll let you know when I'm interested. But it doesn't stop. Not until you remove your records from the church. And that's what we did. Not just to stop the, biz the visits, uh, but to send a message to church headquarters, I guess, for what it's worth, that me, my wife, and my five sons won't be participating they no longer have us to rely on. That's five uh, future missionaries that they won't have. That's, you know, tithing. No more tithing. Certainly not for me or Kelly or in the future for my boys and their families. So maybe there was some bitterness there. But yeah, we removed our records. We are officially ex-Mormons. Um, so yeah, the church doesn't leave us alone. I would say also, when you're in the church, you're not really allowed to dissent from, you know, church policy or doctrine. You're not really allowed to use your voice against things that you feel might not be right in the church. And frankly, when I was in the church, everything felt right. I accepted it all. I was one that really did. I was not a very progressive Latter-day Saint uh, not until kind of the, my last few years in it anyway. But you don't really get to use your voice. So really, if it's not the ex-Mormons speaking out, then no one will. And I think the church does damage. And uh, so you feel like 
you need to speak out against some of those things, whether it was things from the past that were damaging, um, policies or views or, um, I mean, we all know what those are. They're ridiculous. You take a step outside of the church, there is no explanation. And for me, oh, we'll, we'll understand better. God knows more than us. We'll understand better in the next life why these things were. It's not good enough, not nearly good enough anymore. And even today continues to do things that are harmful or, or maybe not do things that stepping aside when harm is being caused. Uh, I'm not going to get into those details too much, but uh, yeah, somebody needs to say something about some of these things. And I guess that there is, there is some anger. There's some times where I feel appreciation and love for what I did learn. I can take the good and I can move on. And there's sometimes when I feel angry, um, you know, you do feel like you gave a lot. You missed out on a lot. You didn't live life in the moment. You lived life for some future existence in some heavenly world that you were striving to become worthy from. You were enduring to the end. You were sacrificing. You were doing these things all for the promise of making it making the cut in some future existence rather than living for today and listening to yourself and trying to have more fun, trying to find more joy in the daily activities of your life. Everything was put off for some future existence and, and now you're a little bit mad about it. Lost opportunities, some of these things, and especially when you feel like a lot of these things were made up. And there was a lot of control exhibited and a lot of obedience from me that was unnecessary. And so, again, I guess I just need to talk about it. For me, I think I was all in. And so now I'm all out. It was only one or the other for me. Um, there are some that are kind of half in and half out and are somewhat indifferent either way. That's just not been me. So, so hopefully that's just a, a side note for today. Just wanted to say something about why some can leave the church but can't leave it alone. And so, you know, I am, I'm actually, I'm kind of finding my voice, I guess you could say, as a 42-year-old man. And I'm living my life with a different perspective than I have for my previous four decades. You know, before I really felt like it was important to be a nice person, and I still do. Um, but I, I really wanted to make sure others around me were always comfortable. I really wore a mantle of, I represent, you know, the church, so I need to act a certain way because I'm a representation of something bigger than me. Um, I need to be a good example. Like, I really carried that weight. It's really an arrogant weight to carry, but I'm done with that. So I'm saying how I feel about things, and I'm practicing it, and I'm, I'm speaking my truth, and I hate to use that phrase because it's overused, regardless of how me how people may feel about it. And that's actually kind of hard for me. I don't like to hurt people's feelings. And so all I can say is, uh, you know, maybe this isn't the place for you to be if it's, if it's hurtful, but also that those are your feelings and your responsibilities and not mine. 
So we'll leave that now. Again, this isn't meant to be all about me and post-Mormonism and all that. I can't wait to, to connect and, and, and talk about the stories of everyone's lives in an effort to bring us all together to help us see how we're all the same. We're all the same. We're trying to figure this out. And there are things that certain people have learned through experience that they can share and we can try out for ourselves. And some of these things might help and some might not. I'm a believer now that there isn't one answer to uh, how to go about life and, and what can make someone happy. Since leaving, I've tried a number of different things, and at times I thought I'd found new truth, and I've already moved on from some of those things, and I'll continue to change my mind. And on this podcast, sometimes I'll talk like I know things. I'll, I want to share, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a cold plunger, and I became passionate about that, and I want to share that, and I have this feeling of everyone needs to try this, or, or maybe, you know, something like psychedelic plants, and the experiences that those have had on my life at first I just really wanted to share that gospel with people because it was life-changing for me but I stepped back and I'm like there isn't one thing that works for everybody and uh, so I'm gonna talk like I know things sometimes but my opinions are just that they're opinions and uh, you take them for what they're worth. And I'll change my mind about things, I'm sure of it. I'm trying a lot of new things and trying to keep what works for me and discard what doesn't. And you should do the same. Um, you know? I mean, it's like, it's like meditation. Like, I know meditation is good and I'm a meditator. But it's not the big thing for me that it is for my wife. Like my wife literally slips into meditations and sees, sees things and, and receives messages and comes out of them like with direction and, and with, with a story to tell. Here's what I learned or, you know, not every time, of course, but it's been a big thing for her. When I meditate, 95% of the time I fall asleep. So it's relaxing, but it's not like grandiose like it is for my wife. So, uh, and there are things that I do that don't really work for her. So we're going to talk about all sorts of things from all different types of people in an effort to just learn and grow together. Yeah. So I, I certainly don't have all the answers. And in fact, there's this part of me that really wants to prove to people you know, from my past, that I'm more happy now that I'm outside of the church because of this newfound freedom and newfound truth. It means I'm happier. And you can see the fruits of, uh, of what I'm up to. But I need to be more mature than that. And I recognize that I'm not necessarily happier. I don't know. Some days I feel like I am. It's hard, it's hard to judge. But every day is different with me. I think that's true of most of us. Some days I... I just, I feel like I've got it and I feel balanced and I feel present and I give people my attention and offer my best self and I am able to feel love and connection and, and other days I forget all of that. Far too many of the days I forget all or most of that. I want to feel more. I want to experience more 
Um, I, I know that I can, and I'm seeking to, and I want to learn from others about how to feel more and experience more, both good and bad. I'm a believer that the extent that we are able to experience the good things, the joy and the passion is only available to as much extent as we're willing and able to feel the supposed bad things, the pain. I think that they are going to be in balance. So the more we restrict ourselves or decide to repress feelings of pain, uh, it's, it's going to restrict our ability to experience everything good, love, joy, gratitude. And so I want to experience it all. Uh, I want to accept the good and the bad in me and in you and in life. So, yeah, this podcast is going to be about all of that. If there's a theme here, trying to nail it down, there's something that was really um, influential in my life. It was a book by John Steinbeck. And uh, it was the first book I read by Steinbeck, but I've read many others since. And I love his writing, uh, his characters. I love his characters. They tend to be lower class, uh, lower educated, kind of just the forgotten uh, people in life. But his characters are, how do I, I don't even know. They're, they're honest. They're honest. Uh, they're honest in their expectations. They're honest in their knowledge. They're just human beings. I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say, but the first book I read, and it was suggested that I read it by my wife, Kelly, was East of Eden. And this message at the end of the book, um, you know, the book is symbolic of the Cain and Abel story. It's, it's, it's about a lot of things, but there, it's about a couple of brothers, one kind of stronger than the other, um, one you know, supposedly good and one inherently kind of bad. Um, but at the end of the book, there's this conversation about this passage in the Bible, and it is the passage about Cain and Abel. And they become fixated on the translation of a particular word. Now, in the King James Version of the Bible, Cain is visited after he killed his brother, and... Jehovah says, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And it's, you know, he shall rule over Satan. And so he's, he's, he's told that he would conquer sin. In the King James Version, he's promised, thou shalt rule over him. Uh, the American Standard Bible says, do thou ru rule over him. Now that's very different. It's not a promise, it's an order. So there's a promise and there's a command. Um, but in the book East of Eden, it takes the word timshul and claims that the actual Hebrew translation of that word timshul is thou mayest, that the real passage is thou mayest rule over sin. 
So the American Standard Translation orders men to triumph over sin, and the King James Translation makes a promise in thou shalt, meaning that men will surely triumph over sin. But the Hebrew word, the word timshel, the book says, that gives a choice. It might be the most important word in the world. That says the way is open. That throws it right back on a man. For if thou mayest, is it also true thou mayest not? It goes on, and it says, uh, Now there are many millions in their sects and churches who feel the order, Do thou, and throw their weight into obedience. And there are millions more who feel predestination in thou shalt. Nothing they may do can interfere with what will be. But thou mayest, why, that makes a man great. That gives him stature with the gods, for in his weakness and his filth and his murder of his brother, he still has the great choice. He can choose his course and fight it through and win. And uh, continues, But think of the glory of the choice. That makes a man a man. A cat has no choice. A bee must make honey. There's no godliness there. And, and uh, let's see, scrolling through here. And I feel that I am a man, and I feel that a man is a very important thing, maybe more important than a star. This is not theology. I have no bent towards God's, but I have a new love for that glittering instrument, the human soul. It is a lovely and unique thing in the universe. It is always attacked and never destroyed, because thou mayest. So yeah, this podcast is, is going to kind of hinge on, on that topic, thou mayest. You know, the choices that we make in this life and how they impact us. Those choices are up to us. Um, and there's risk and rewards that go along with every choice. So I look forward to hearing about the risks that people have taken and hearing their stories, hearing about their transitions as they found themselves in positions to make choices, to go a different direction. And look forward to, again, just connecting, sharing, uh, understanding, feeling together. So thank you for being here. And let's go.